Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. We begin our program with a study from Tohoku University Graduate School of Biomedical Engineering in Japan. And it's something many of you, I'm sure, can relate to. Feeling old in blue. Well, what can we do about it? One thing is green tea. It can help. Elderly men and women who sip on several cups of green tea a day may be less likely to have the blues, and that's what they found. And uh, a group of scientists there found that men and women aged 70 and older who drank four or more cups of green tea per day were 44% less likely to have symptoms of depression. Now, there are certain nutrients in there, including theanine, which is known at about 200 milligrams, what you would get out of, let's say, a, a cup of green tea, to alter your mood. You feel better, you're more relaxed, you're more at ease, less depressed. Now, there are several prior studies have linked green tea consumption to reduce levels of psychological distress. And so they did a more in-depth investigation on this particular one. And the apparent effect that is protective in the green tea is consuming uh, the different polyphenols, and that makes a big difference. So, something simple, something we can do, nonic, and it's, remember, theanine. It's an amino acid, T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E, theanine. Now, you can get theanine by itself. You don't have to have green tea. In fact, green tea does have caffeine, and too much caffeine can be a stimulant. And that stimulant then can adversely affect how we feel. makes us feel agitated, irritable. Yes, you'll have more energy, but it's an artificially induced energy and can also exhaust your adrenals. What I found in my own clinical practice over the years is that people coming from high-stress jobs, a lot of people on Wall Street or in the financial industries, a lot of people in the media, especially those who are producers and directors working in, and I've worked with a lot of them, uh, working in the green room and working in the studio. You don't see how fast everything happens there. People are, you know, cut to camera two, cut to camera three, you know, do a zoom up. And you keep doing that all morning. And you're there to like four o'clock in the morning to get ready. You're exhausted. So what do they do? They drink green tea, some, they drink coffee, sometimes 10 to 15 cups a day. Then sooner or later, it happens. You've exhausted your natural capacity to create energy. Your mitochondria are exhausted. Your adrenal glands are exhausted. So we go through a process of building back up the adrenal glands and doing things that create natural energy, like NAD, PQQ, and uh, it works. But the way we keep ourselves calm is with theanine, 200 milligrams. And it also helps you sleep. Now, from uh, the Jocelyn Diabetes Center, how do you slow down aging? Well, scientists explain how exercise keeps you young. Researchers at the Jocelyn Diabetic Institute investigated the cellular mechanisms responsible for improving physical fitness through exercise, and they discovered an anti-aging intervention that delayed common uh, effects of aging. 
Now, I spoke earlier on a program on our health nutrition segment about how exercise also can slow down the aging process. This is a separate study. And what they found is that the more you exercise, especially biking, power walking, which is probably the most common physical exercise in the United States. More people go out for walks and fast walks when you're really, you know, putting the effort in and uh, jogging. But a lot of people only jog for a period of time because it's not good on the knees. But power walking doesn't have any side effects except good ones. So you need that aerobic capacity. So according to their study results, exercise is employed to improve quality of life and to protect against degenerative diseases. And long-term exercise regimes reduce overall death. Yes, you heard me right. And that's important. I mean, that's really important. And this was done by a Dr. Kenneth Blackwell, MD, PhD, senior investigator in the section uh, head of the islet cell and regenerative biology at the Institute. So go out for some longer power walks. All right? And if you want to build up other parts of the body, take one pound, two pound, three pound weights, rubberized weights, and put them in each hand. And as you're swinging your arms at right angles back and forth, as I'm doing now, then that hits your whole upper tricep, bicep, uh, quads, uh, pecs, hits all the muscles in the upper back. And that helps prevent diabetes and helps your heart as well. And uh, so just one more study and a lot of studies that we're finding now on aging. And on today's program, I'm going to deal with aging also in, in depth. So you might want to stay tuned for that. Now, from the University of Florida, almonds show prebiotic benefits. Now, you have prebiotics and you have probiotics. We need both, creating good, healthy bacteria in our gut. But eating almonds is beneficial to maintaining healthy, good gut microbiota a composition and improving diet quality uh, for parents and children, both. Everybody should eat some nuts, and I suggest raw nuts. Now, there's a big debate. Do you have to buy organic nuts because they seem to be a lot more expensive than regular nuts? The answer is no, and here's why. The, like, you take a Brazil nut, um, you take a, a, a walnut, they have very hard shells. That protects them, and uh, so therefore it's like an avocado. Uh, the spray that might go onto it, you can wash it off. And it's the, it's the raw nut or the nut butter made from those raw nuts that is most beneficial for its fatty acids and its amino acid content as well. So eating almonds, good for your immune system, turns off inflammation, and it's just positive in all, all this. And by the way, this was a 14-week randomized controlled crossover study of people eating only 1.5 ounces of almonds or almond butter on a daily basis for three weeks. And uh, those who ate the almonds had a substantial improvement in health uh, scores that they did. So all the nuts are good. All right? Peanuts are also good, but they're not a nut. They're, they're a legume. 
And from Massachusetts General Hospital, a study shows that lack of free time exercise significantly increased the risk of cardiac death. What do I mean? And this was done at Massachusetts General, and and, uh, Kaiser Permanente have found that communities with high prevalence of adults who failed to exercise in their free time experience significantly higher rates of death from cardiovascular disease with middle-aged women and elderly black individuals shouldering the heaviest burden. Now, mind you, think of all the people who don't live in a community setting, um, assisted living center or a gated community, where they have planned activities, but where you're just living alone in an apartment or in a home. Those are the individuals most at risk because they're not using the time they have to exercise. So there has been a national decline in cardiovascular death rates in recent years. And communities in the United States with high propensity of adults lacking leisure time, physical activity, or people just work too much. Think of the people that you get up early, you commute, you go to work, you're sitting most of the day, you forget to get up every two hours and exercise and do some squatting and to get circulation going, to move those muscles in the legs. So blood pulls in the feet and the ankles. That's why you got those little blue, uh, broken uh, capillaries down in the ankle and feet range. And that can lead to intermittent claudication, can lead to pain in the calves, etc. Poor circulation. More likely to cramp. Think of the people that fly a lot. Think of pilots. Think of pilots. Remember, your leg comes out and then down. Wherever your leg bends you're going to have a crimp in the arteries going down and the veins coming back. That's where you get clots. That's where you can have a heart attack. So the more you can stand, walk, and move, the better. And, uh, but also, there's a lot of adults who sit too much. Who, there are a lot of people who work too long, and then they get at home. They're tired. They don't want to exercise. So just understand there's a consequence you can play, uh, pay for, and that's an early death. So let's make sure that you put exercise in twice a day, in the morning and the early evening before dinner or right after dinner. And finally, uh, from Warsaw University of Technology in Poland, high-dose vitamin D3 is important for adults who are getting older. Older, by the way, is over the age of 40. And they did an analysis of 100,000 units. That's way up there. And they said that what they're saying in this study is that that older adults are prone to vitamin D3 deficiency, which just absolutely uh, can be adverse to your health and your immune system. And vitamin D3 uh, could improve their 25-hydroxy vitamin D3 levels for healthy outcomes. And uh, they took it way up high doses and found there was no adverse effects and a lot of very important health effects. So make sure you're getting, I would say, maybe 5,000 units of vitamin D3 per day. Okay, But if you've got a cold or coronavirus infection or the flu, you can definitely go higher than that. And that's important for your immune system, along with zinc and vitamin C and quercetin.
That's the latest on health and healing. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. If you just joined us, you can watch this program. I'm uh, streaming it live as I do my health nutrition every day. But then when I go to ask people to call in, I have to turn off the video because we're sharing the same line. That'll all be corrected when we move into our new studios, which will be in the very near future. I want to share something very positive today because I've gotten a lot of emails from people who would like to come to the fundraiser for WBAI, which is in May, one or two weeks, to deal with age-related conditions, health, de-stressing, starting over. In other words, a lot of people are at a time in life, and they could be in their 20s, 30s, or in their 90s, but they realize that something has to change, and that something is you have to change. The tools are there. The help is there. We have a staff of over 20 people who are going to be there, including outstanding people in their field, guiding classes like one on addiction and overcoming depression and anxiety, Dr. Peter Resnick. And but he's only one of many of our lectures. So let's just say you can't come for whatever reason. Then how can you still get information that can make a difference? Now, we are in the process of uh, writing the final article of our last anti-aging study group six months ago right now. I look forward to presenting it to a peer-reviewed publication and to the different foundations to help sponsor it in the next five days. But again, about six to 700 people sign up to come to the anti-aging retreat. But after talking with people as we have to in depth, we find out most simply are not qualified, meaning people who have terminal cancer come to an anti-aging group. We help those people, absolutely, and, uh, but not in an anti-aging group. The uh, idea is you should be relatively healthy and suffering from no major illness to get into the group. Otherwise, the whole purpose of trying to see can we extend the lifespan uh, is negated. Anyhow, um, 90, 95% of the people don't qualify. So what I'm going to do today is this. For those of you who would like to know, Gary, is there anything I can do to help my aging process, to help my neurological process? And the answer is yes. I'm going to share with you an article. The article is posted. My article was published along with Dr. Martin Feldman, one of America's leading and most respected neurologists. In fact, he graduated number one in his class at Yale and then at College of Physicians Surgeons Columbia, then at Mount Sinai in neurology as an adjunct or associate professor. Published over 65 articles in the peer literature before he came to see me. And then I think he ended up with over 80. We decided to do a study. Now, we didn't take the blood chemistry, but we did do the following for neurological changes. You had to have a letter from your physician proving that you had a long-standing problem at the neurological level um, that you could not overcome through anything medicine had to offer, including Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, depression, anxiety, and these had to be at a level that really adversely affected the quality of your life. In fact, many people weren't even able to work. They were so handicapped. It took almost six months just to go through all the people. 
Then you had to have a neurological examination with Dr. Martin Feldman, and uh, you had to fill out all these questionnaires, and we had to take blood pressure and blood sugar, a lot of stuff. We didn't take the blood, but everything else. And then we would meet, and we met on a weekly basis. It generally lasted about four hours because people had so many questions. So I'm going to share that with you today. By the way, this was published in a major, highly respected mainstream journal, and it was published in the Library of Medicine uh, PubMed. So it met all the criteria that is required for a quality study. But there was no medication involved. There were no drugs. It was simply lifestyle and behavior. The group study explored how an intervention of diet and lifestyle, including a vegan diet, fruit and vegetable juicing, nutritional supplements, regular exercise, and de-stressing techniques would affect 27 subjects with anxiety, depression, poor memory, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, a history of stroke or multiple sclerosis. Each person had overlapping conditions. They had multiple conditions. Now, we videotaped all of this, and uh, we are posting later this week all the testimonies before. You get to see and hear what they had to say at the beginning and at the end of the study. And we have over 40 different clinical studies and health support groups that we did the same thing for, before and after. I've never posted those, ever. So for the first time, you'll see well over a 1,000 people giving testimony of what lifestyle and behavior can do. So anyhow, testimonials stated multiple benefits across all conditions addressed by the study, with subjects often reporting substantial or complete benefit, meaning complete reversal of their condition. We followed them for one year, and none of them relapsed back because we had monthly motivational talks to deal with anything they were faced with to help them stay on the straight and narrow. And the results demonstrated that an intervention of diet, juicing, supplements, exercise, and lifestyle can provide considerable benefits for all conditions addressed. So take some notes now, please, because I'm going to share with you uh, the results. And you can then apply as much of this as you choose to in your own life, and that'll help you. Because what do you think we do at a health retreat? Gourmet vegan meals, juicing throughout the day, exercise, stress management. Hey, when something works, you just continue, but we add on to it. And with the anti-aging, we have a special test that is taken. It's called a DNA methylation test, which actually measures how old your DNA is, meaning how old are you and how long should you expect to live based upon the age of every single one of your DNA your heart DNA, your brain DNA, your lungs, kidney, liver, muscles, all of it. Now, you can't go get this test. Uh, we were fortunate enough because of results of our previous four anti-aging studies that the developer of the test, the man who owns the patent on it, and the foundation, head of the foundation that does this research, said that he would let us use it. And we were also fortunate that uh, Bill Falloon, uh, and also uh, his top uh, research doctor prepared special supplements for us that are the cutting edge in anti-aging, about, I think, around 16. These were given free uh, to the people before and during 
and at the conclusion. So they had everything they needed. Those who were on campus got a lot of input, and those who were at home uh, still got the whole protocol, except they weren't on campus and being monitored. We estimate that 5.3 million, or 1.6% of Americans of all ages, have Alzheimer's disease, and that's growing. And without breakthroughs and prevention of treatment, those numbers are going to triple in the near future because we have so many of the senior citizens and uh, of the greatest generation, then the baby boomer generation, and then the X generation. Because of unhealthy lifestyles, you accelerate the aging process at a certain point. Up to a certain point, you damage a cell, you can pretty much repair a lot of cells. The liver can rejuvenate about 60% of itself, more or less. So even if you went binge drinking in college for a year or two, uh, you can undo a lot of that damage. And with the therapies we have today, we can undo a lot of damage like hepatitis B and hepatitis C. In fact, it was interesting. Um, in one week, I interviewed a series of women, average age probably 65, and they all had the same symptoms. They were very much into health. Uh, none of them smoked, none of them drank, none of them do, did drugs. They all had, upon full blood analysis, hepatitis C. And they were shocked. How in the world could I have hepatitis C, Gary? Well, we went back. And the further back we went, then it became the reason why. When they were in college, they did a lot of drugs. All of them. And once you have something like a hepatitis, it doesn't go away on its own. So, and it can end up destroying your body. It adversely affects the mitochondria, adversely affects the liver. You don't synthesize nutrients the same way. You don't cleanse the body of toxins the same way. So by putting them on a protocol, we're able to get rid of the hepatitis C. In fact, I got rid of hepatitis B and C. That's not difficult, based upon the protocols I've created. And uh, then they were fine. But wow, you don't always know where something comes from unless you go way back. In any case, for U.S. residents over the age of 70, rates of Alzheimer's and vascular dementia and all-cause dementia are 9.74%. And then for uh, all-cause dementia, 13.9%. And that's high. So we have a lot of people suffering from Parkinson's, memory loss, tens of millions in the memory loss. And uh, over one year, more than 800,000 Americans have a stroke every year. And none of them knew they were going to have a stroke until they had it. So to the best of my knowledge, studying the statistics, at least those that are available, multiple sclerosis prevalence in the United States uh, has gone up substantially, including in younger people. So what's the good news? The good news is, that exercise has shown effects on depression. It has shown that if you exercise 45 minutes a day, six days a week, it'll improve your cognition. It'll improve motor function. It'll improve dementia. Now, there have been many meta-analyses, meaning many different studies, and, uh, and you look carefully and you'll see a positive effect of exercise on the brain, mitochondria, 
biogenesis. So exercise is crucial, it's foundational. Both exercise in a gym, resistance exercise, or power walking, or biking. But if you're gonna bike, or you do a, you know, the biking in a gym, put it on high resistance so you really have to pump. Then you have certain nutrients that are better than others. For example, the antioxidants, beta carotene, and vitamin C and vitamin E, with tocotrienols, have shown positive association related to Alzheimer's. Antioxidants have been shown to benefit depression, and the antioxidant status has shown association with depression. Vitamin C has been shown positive in its outcome with anxiety, but not depression. And, uh, but you have to be tested. Let's say you're going to a psychiatrist or a doctor, and all they're doing is just refilling your prescription for Prozac, Paxil, whatever it is. Have they taken a blood chemistry? Probably not, because they don't understand it. They don't understand nutritional biochemistry. Well, get yourself a nutritional profile, full profile, to see whether or not you're deficient in a nutrient. For example, coenzyme Q10 has produced benefits and shown very positive associations regarding Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis. Serum and dietary magnesium have shown inverse association with depression, meaning the less magnesium you have, the more depression you have. The more magnesium, the less depression. Now, the omega-3 fatty acids have shown benefit for depression, and uh, there's your eating avocados and walnuts or having flaxseed or hemp seed oil, teaspoon in the morning, or having fish oil. But it's all beneficial, not just for your heart and circulation, but also for your brain. And these nutrients, especially the omega-3 fatty acids, affect the brain structures alone, and that's positive. But exercise and that stimulates the brain even better. The omega-3 fatty acids have shown a positive role in preventing cognitive decline and dementia. But then there's one nutrient that's really good, and it's quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. And taking it with curcumin shows neuroprotective effects. So right now, you could be 20 years of age. And in fact, I just, I went to a chiropractor. I get, once every three months, I just get a preventative uh, chiropractic adjustment. Make sure that nothing's out of alignment, just like I do acupuncture. I'm not getting it for any condition, but preventatively. And as I was going out to pay, the person says, I watch your videos all the time on YouTube. Almost every night, I learn something new every time. And I really like your classrooms on the air. Because you don't, and I'm guessing she's in her early 20s, she said, you take into account what it is to be a young person. And you're showing us some of the things that we're doing wrong, lessons we haven't learned, and lessons we should learn. And she says, I really appreciate it. It's made a difference in my life. You never know where someone's at in this world who's going to give you a little positive feedback that they're learning. So I want people to start protecting your brain and your neurocircuitry when you're young and just do it throughout your life. So why not take things that have been shown to help people overcome, diminish, or limit a disease and use them to prevent that same disease? We just have this fetish, the majority of Americans, of I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to take anything, 
until I get sick. Then whatever the doctor tells me to take, I'll take. Too late. Too late. Folate has been shown to help depression. Low folate and low B12 levels were associated with depression in older women. So why not take 500 micrograms of folate in the morning, 500 in the afternoon, the same with B12, and a microgram is uh, a lot smaller dosage than a milligram, and you don't want to be taking high grams of these micrograms, but they'll work fine. And these two vitamins showed a benefit in helping turn off inflammation in the brain. So some things work with one condition, but not necessarily all conditions. Uh, vitamin B complex, let's say 50 milligrams, once a day, appears to slow brain atrophy in elderly people with mild cognitive impairment. And the omega-3 fatty acids and B vitamins together um, help uh, eliminate some of the brain atrophy. And studies show an association between something no one ever talks about, homocysteine. It's an inflammatory marker when it's elevated. When it's up above 20, you're at higher risk of a stroke and heart attack. But you won't feel it. You won't know it. You have to have a specific test to determine what is my level. It should be down around 4, 3, 2, 5, not high. The average person is probably around 20 to 40. And then they also have low B12 and low folate. And that really leads you into cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's. Now, another nutrient, a mineral called zinc. You've heard me talk about zinc. Have a handful of raw uh, pumpkin seeds. You're getting good zinc. But zinc shows benefits for depression. And a deficiency, if you're low in zinc, then it leads to neurodegenerative disorders. Coenzyme Q10 and other nutrients, antioxidants like vitamin A, C, and E, have shown neuroprotective effects in relation to Parkinson's disease. And for multiple sclerosis, evidence exists of the benefits from a variety of nutritional interventions, including zinc, the essential fatty acids, and uh, coenzyme Q10. Now, for our study, uh, we took detailed histories. Uh, for example, we had Parkinson's people who had a history of stroke and related issues. So we took into account everything that could impact a person's health and to help detoxify the body. And the very first stage in any, anything you do is cleanse it out. I mean, look, would you buy a house or rent an apartment, but you were told, see all those, see all those closets? They're stuffed to the brim with garbage, but don't clean them out. Why not? Well, because we haven't. So don't you clean them out. You're going to say, well, that's stupid. I'm going to clean up everything, right? First time anything new, you want to clean it up. A garage, a basement, an office space, even a desk. Want to clean it down, make it user-friendly for yourself. For your health, you've got to detoxify. There's a lot of different ways of detoxifying. But I have found the most beneficial way is to use chlorophyll. Green, now mind you, chlorophyll is a coloring agent in plants. It's the blue in blueberries. It's the red in cherries or blood oranges. But the really powerful are from the sea vegetables, such as the single-cell algae, spirulina, or chlorella, and then wheatgrass juice, 
Those are all extraordinarily beneficial, especially if you take them at the same time with vitamin C because they act as natural chelators. Chelation is in the Greek word chele, or claw-like. And uh, yes, you can get intravenous chelation therapy, and if you have heavy metal toxicity, that's probably the way to go. Uh, you might take 20 to 100 treatments, and you'll get the heavy metals out of your body, which means, means that enzyme systems can better function. Heavy metals, you have all kinds of problems. If you eat fish regularly, you're going to have heavy metals. In any case, uh, the chlorophyll done two or three times a day speeds up the cleansing and detoxification. Then if you eat a lot of berries, like wild blueberries and tart cherries, then you actually start the rebuilding. Remember, greens cleanse and reds rebuild. So you cleanse, detoxify, and then rebuild. And that's what we did in this study. So the first month, everybody was cleansing, get off caffeine, get off sugar, get off artificial sweeteners, and all no alcohol at all, no gluten, no animal proteins, none. If it has a heartbeat or a face, uh, we don't use it. But then there's a difference between the kind of complex carbohydrate that we recommend and the refined carbohydrate the average person receives. For example, last night, as I was sitting here, uh, I review documentaries at night, and uh, the television, I was exchanged, there was a commercial on. It's for shrimp. Okay. And it made it look attractive and desirable to eat. What they didn't tell you was, where was the shrimp from? And if you're giving unlimited amounts of shrimp, as some places do, Shrimp are expensive, so did it come from the Gulf Coast, was caught wild, or did it come from China or Taiwan, excuse me, Thailand, uh, from fish farms where they grow tilapia and they grow shrimp? And the conditions are atrocious. These are very toxic. Now, you take a shrimp that may have come from these very polluted factory farms, and then you take white flour, you take a seasoning enhancer, let's say monosodium glutamate is one of many, and then you, you baste it, and you deep fry it. So now you have one known agent that can cause disease, and that is the heterocyclic amines from the meat and the acrylamides from the flour. That's the same flour you're going to find in every bun at every fast food restaurant in America. The browning, that's, that's a cancer-causing agent. But the meat is also cancer-causing. So imagine you go to a place because it looks appetizing. I want that. You don't want what's in it. Because if you knew everything about the food that you're eating, most of the food you'd say no to. For example, when you go into a restaurant, they have to buy all the food that's on the menu and keep it. Well, how many things go bad? And what is the ethic of the owner to throw it out? No, we'll use it for another two days. Someone gets sick, well, it wasn't from us. It's always denial. So just remember that when you go out to eat. So the things we've been adapting to like are not healthy. But we're adapting to it. And... Uh, I once, when someone asked me once in an interview, 
Do I eat pizzas? I said, no, why not? Well, they look like someone vomited on a crust of bread. They smell like vomit. They look like vomit. Okay, what about alcohol? Everybody out there in uh, television land shows about this vodka or that gin or this tequila. What is it? Is there any taste any of this? Well, not none except when they use the lime, then you'll taste the lime. But it's all very toxic. There's no such thing as a safe amount of alcohol. All right, well, how do we end up being a nation that thinks it's perfectly normal? In every film I've ever seen, people either smoked or drank or did both. And when they're drinking, they want whiskey. Well, that whiskey tastes bitter. It's almost like turpentine. So if I had a bunch of juices, I had an orange juice and a grape juice and a grapefruit juice, tangerine juice, those taste good. Those are all good for you. But alcohol is bad for you, and it doesn't taste good. Now think of that for a moment. Think of the cognitive disconnect. Just think of the gestalt of how they show happy people, young, sexy people, smiling, always smiling. Now, and, uh, and then one supposed wise person with a little white beard saying, you know, I don't drink a lot, but when I drink, I drink this. And then the subconscious is, wow, those people are really hip and attractive and into it. Hey, maybe that's the vodka I had to drink. Today at Davos, because this week is the Davos, where a group of people get together who assume that they're smarter than anyone else in the world because they weren't elected to anything, and yet they're going to determine everything that's important in our life. What you're going to wear, what you're going to watch, what you're going to study, where you're going to drive, what you're going to eat, what's going to be planted, and what's not going to be planted, where you're not going to have freedoms of speech, where if you have the truth, better keep it in that mind until you get chipped because they're going to know it. And yet these people bragged in an article about how the whole point of Davos is to look at a person's badge and see what color is it. Because the color of the badge will determine how important that person is. So if you see a person with a, a low-rated uh, significance to the person, you pass them by. And But there's so many people with white badges there, over 3,000, and then they have all of their retainers. They have their assistants. They have their mistresses. They have their, they have their accompanying parties. They could be 10, 15 people. They all have to wear badges. And what's the point of it? Getting someone invited to your party, dinner party, where you'll serve them, a, they said, a $995 bottle of wine. Well, there's a myth about this. I defy anyone in this audience to be able to tell the difference between a $3 bottle of wine and a $1,000 bottle of wine. <laughs> and yet we pretend to have a sophistication we don't, and the significance of that sophistication is that with well, a person that's going to give me a $900 bottle of wine or a special beef that is flown in that was hand-massaged, Kobe beef from Japan, where they go out there every day and they massage it, so that the muscle is very soft, so the meat just melts in your mouth, and it's, you know, $500 a dish. So someone 
is getting invited to a party where there are no cameras allowed. These are not on the agenda, but there are hundreds of these every day, all over. I mean, they bring in chefs from all over the world because it's a small town. So going to the party and sitting with someone that you might be able to influence to pay attention to your foundation, your NGO, your corporation, whatever you're doing, it's all about networking, but a very high price. In fact, it was just reported this morning that the Swiss government, where this is held in Switzerland, in Davos, the village, cannot afford to have its own emissaries go to Davos this year unless they're willing to sleep two or four to a room because they're on a strict budget. And the, what Davos charges for someone to get there is beyond what they're willing to pay or can. So what's that all about? It's about people going to tell you what your diet should be, what your education should be, which are the colleges go to, why we don't need elections because artificial intelligence, which they control because the people involved with Davos also control BlackRock and other major financial institutions who then control the, uh, the money, the seed money, the venture capital to start corporations. They have trillions of dollars at their disposal. There's nothing they can finance and control. And then you start thinking, wow, so they're not into organic. No, they don't want organic. They're not into sustainable. They don't, they don't want sustainable. No, they want genetically engineered because they can patent it and they control it. We don't think about that. But just imagine if you're the average person not thinking about what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're watching on television. They control a lot of that. And so you ask about detoxification. What's that detoxification? What, what are you talking about? And stopping drinking the alcohol that's bitter, that we acquire taste for it. Well, and what's the difference between a tailor-made $5,000 suit and one that's tailor-made but not $5,000? Profit. I know that for a fact. <laughs> I went out to Rodeo Drive. I went into a store. I was doing a lecture, a fundraiser for KPFK. And there was a beautiful suit. It was 5000 bucks. I went in and I talked with a guy. <laughs> I won't go into a whole, my, my whole psychology. I did it. But I showed that only the buttons and zipper were uh, done in Italy. The rest was done in Bulgaria. I gave him a whole history of how people falsify information, give you only a small piece, and that's what attracts your attention. So in the end, uh, I said... Let's go over to your seamster, who was a block away in an alley. And these guys in this tiny little room were sewn away. And I said, tell this gentleman, how much would it actually cost if you got the silk and the aligner with rayon and you made this suit for someone? How much in materials? Somewhere between $200 and $300? They said, yeah. I said, so why are you charging $5,000? Because that's the whole idea of the free marketplace. So now you have phenomenal amounts of money being spent without looking at what is the actual value. Here's something to take away from today. We're absolutely addicted to prices. What's the price? What's the price of that? What's the price of that? Instead, we should be asking, what is the value of that? I only buy things based upon their value not their price. And almost always, whether it's real estate or a suit of clothes, or whether it's buying something at 
Whole Paycheck Whole Foods or a small low food co-op. Same organic item, comes from the same place. Why is one charging so much more than the other? Because people want to shop where other people, other social class shop. I see. Does that mean everything sold in a health food store is healthy? Absolutely not. But this is the illusion by which we trick ourselves. Just remember, everybody you've ever seen drinking alcohol, they hate the taste and the burn in the mouth and the destruction of the esophageal cells and a million liver, brain, kidney cells destroyed with each drink, depending upon the percentage of alcohol. So when you see them sliding that bourbon or gin or whatever it is down a bar and someone grabs it, you're not looking at the product and what's in it, what it's going to do to you. You're looking at the illusion of how you can participate in that illusion and how much of our lives are nothing but illusion, pretending to be real. Just want to share that with you. So anyhow, in our study, I go through this deep understanding of why juicing is so important starting with one glass of fresh-made juice a day. Now, you can actually make your juices one day a week and then freeze them, and each night put what you're going to drink the next day in the fridge so it's fresh. And then the supplements you need, and you don't have to guess, get a blood workup. Blood workup shows you what you got too much of, not enough of, and then you supplement to what you need. Detoxify. Detoxify your environment. Practice proper hygiene in your environment. For example, have a little glass, and when you finish brushing your teeth, put it in, upside down. So the brushing part is nitrogen peroxide. Why? Because how many people in the morning get up and drink something or eat something before they scrape their tongue? And if you doubt me, open your mouth in the morning when you wake up and look at your tongue. Then take a tongue cleaner, a little scraper, and you just gently scrape it off and about a teaspoon to a tablespoon of mucus and bacteria are going to be in that. Do you want to take the bad bacteria in your mouth in the morning and swallow it down into your system? No. You want to clean your teeth, clean your tongue, gargle, spit it out. Now your oral hygiene, you're starting the day the right way. And then if you have a cold or flu, if you don't Put your toothbrush in hydrogen peroxide. You're going to reinfect yourself every time you brush your teeth. Yeah, you just recur the infection over and over again. And spray your toilet handle because people don't realize, okay, you just wiped yourself. Now you take a hand that has got feces on it and you push the plunger. So then you go about your, you know, your day. You turn on the faucets. You wash your hands. But now when you turn off the faucet, You've just reinfected your hand with feces. So you're carrying around your feces all day long on your fingers. There was a theater in Los Angeles, a new theater, and they some scientists wanted to test this, so they, they went into a theater, and the, every single seat had feces. Not because someone defecated on the seat. That's what happens when you sweat, and your anal sphincter allows that feces out. That's why wiping is not hygiene. Proper hygiene is washing. Something Americans just can't get their mind around. They think it's, are you a communist, Gary? No, I'm not. Why? Because I think you should clean yourself and use proper hygiene? <laughs> Jesus, man. 
oh, sp- spending all that time, you know, with makeup and hairspray and have a dirty body. But, and then reinfect yourself because everything you touch in your house has got that contamination. So why not just once a day for three minutes in the morning, spray alcohol in a paper towel, wipe down the doorknobs, the toilet flush, the refrigerator, the remote, your computer keypad, everything. Just wipe it down. Now it's clean, just like your teeth. Just suggesting things because these are the things people don't talk about that make a difference. And then... We got into, for about two hours every week for three months, we got into the difficult part. And that was how many of your beliefs are good? How many of them are limiting? How many of them are positively sustainable with a good outcome? And they had to keep records, diaries, of all the things that were not good that they didn't like. And they're the ones who wrote it down. No one else saw their journal. And then what are you doing each week to eliminate those 35 things you don't like about your life? Well, I don't like my job. It's boring. I just sit in a toxic cubicle and, you know, I just kind of numb myself out and, and uh, I just do work that is not going to define who I am. Why don't you find a job that defines who you are? It may take some effort. Ah, that's the rub, the effort. I don't want to put the effort in. Okay, well then your life's not going to change. Put the effort in, your life will change. Now, I'm looking at the clock here, and uh, we've got five minutes to go before we sign off from BAI. I'm going to give you, so I've told you what the protocol was. It was anti-inflammatory, vegan diet, 75% raw, lots of salads, lots of fruits and vegetables, nuts, raw nuts, and juicing, and then 25% lightly cooked. And the elimination of the pro-inflammatory foods and caffeine and sugar, refined carbohydrates and gluten and wheat and dairy and meat and poultry and shellfish, caffeine and alcohol, refined sugars, artificial sweeteners, uh, preservatives, all those were eliminated. And then a high-quality diet, millet, amaranth, uh, quinoa, high-quality protein, the essential fatty acids, fiber, lots of good fiber, 35 to 50 grams a day. And then the good oils, the extra virgin olive oil, the coconut oil, the macadamia oil, cooking with mustard seed oil and macadamia oil, and uh, the exercise. And then add one juice a week until you get up to 12 juices. And then the herbs like cayenne, curcumin, basil, rosemary, oregano, thyme, chili peppers, anise, cinnamon, horseradish, wasabi, mustard, dillweed, fennel, and spearmint. Making smoothies also. About 2,000 milligrams a day in divided doses of vitamin C. And then here are some of the results of this. And, uh, and it's important. And I already told you. By the way, have coconut water, one 60-ounce glass a day. That gives you a lot of potassium, which is good for your heart. And uh, don't wear shoes inside. Remove all indoor pollutants. Put plants in. Don't buy outgassing furniture and carpets and building materials. Use a water filter. Use veggie wash or apple cider vinegar to clean your produce. And uh, there's a lot of good plants you can put in there, spider plant and, and the Brazilian plants. And so what are the results? Okay, this is a person suffering from lifetime anxiety and depression. Sandra, quote, 
I came in with extreme anxiety, completely closed in from the world closed out from the world, and now I'm able to sleep. I have freedom that I didn't have in an extremely long time. I was able to ride the subway and cross bridges that I used to not be able to do. And even today, it was extremely emotional for me to come here because I actually made it from my my door to this door by myself. And that's such a big achievement if you saw my life paralyzed by fear up to this moment. So I want to say thank you. I'm high in the positive, very high, and a lot more energy. All right, so it changed one person's life. Now they're getting out, they're going to, and I'm, we continue the conversation. This just little summaries. Leslie, I've had acute depression so bad that it adversely affected my life for the last 15 years. I was suffering from depression for a long time. However, now I'm feeling much better, 100%, I would say. My energy level has improved. I sleep better. I'm less fatigued, and I have an overall positive attitude. Monica, depression and anxiety. I've been suffering from depression and anxiety. Ever since I've started this protocol, I've been feeling so much better, so much more positive, and no depression. I'm off the medication. It's just wonderful. This is great. I've been encouraging my husband also to be on the protocol, and he has been as well. And we've been together working on it, and we're both feeling great. Michael, anxiety and depression. I came here from, for sometimes debilitating anxiety and depression. I'd say surprisingly, my vision is improved. My skin cleared up. I feel like a better husband, better father, better friend. I lost probably seven pounds of pure fat, and I got stronger, a lot stronger. I shattered um, a time on the three-mile run, and uh, I no longer feel the anxiety and depression. It's gone, just gone. It's lifted. It was such a crutch and such an excuse, and now it's gone. It's like I have to recreate myself. Definitely I'm sharper, better memory. I have a torn rotary cup, and the pain has really subsided. I don't want to have surgery on it. It's lifted as well. So across the board again, I feel really blessed to have been here and met everyone, and I thank you all. And now we have multiple people talking about overcoming suicidal tendency, of where they were thinking of suicide all the time, and this saved their life because they no longer are depressed, they no longer think of suicide. Improving cognition also is important on this. And then we have people dealing with the really bad ones, memory loss, depression, and anxiety. And you can read this for yourself. We posted it. All the neurological conditions, dementia. You see the improvement, what people are talking about. No longer lethargic, have memory, short-term memory, long-term memory, and their cognition is back. And mind you, look up on PubMed, look up on the National Library of Medicine, and see if you can find studies where in a short period of time, three months, people were able to reverse all these where they had been under medical supervision and on medications for years until this study. I'm looking here. Uh, let's see, what do we have? Well, we're going to say goodbye to BAI. By the way, tonight, I have a really special program for the progressive commentary at 7 o'clock. Last few days, there has been a hearing, one hearing in four years, one, and only now, 
got no publicity whatsoever. It was three board-certified physicians and PhDs talking about the 3,500-plus studies now showing the dangers of the COVID protocols and the vaccines. And these are mainstream Orthodox pro-vaccine advocates. And in this hearing that I've seen no one post thus far, not Redacted or Jimmy Dore or anyone else, you get to hear their stories and why you should never take the vaccine. And they're, they're, these are scientists that are going into great depth about what this vaccine actually does. And uh, they're asked really strong questions and they just knock it out of the park. So you're going to learn more about COVID and the vaccines than ever before. But keep in mind, never use this information of what's wrong with the vaccines against people who took them. To the contrary, show compassion and empathy for those who took them and advocate that there are protocols now to help undo a lot of the damage, to reverse the damage to the vaccines. And for those of you who have yet to have an adverse effect, good. But once you hear these people talk about what they know about what happens in the body and in your cells when the body doesn't have an off switch for stopping the manufacture of the spike protein. And as one of the doctors said, a major cardiologist, he said every year he might see two to four myocarditis patients. Now he's seeing dozens, and there are tens of thousands who are now suffering because of the vaccine. And that's never temporary and never minor. It can end your life. So there are biological time bombs in people's bodies they're not even aware of. And you wonder why all these people are dying young, and they go into that as well. And nobody's questioning this because there's been a universal denial. Well, they use quality science. And one of the three people is the most cited cardiologist in world history. Over 700 plus articles on PubMed. Uh, he's taught at every and guest lectured at every medical school in America, and yet he has come out against Fauci and the whole, milita- uh, the whole military industrial as well as the pharmaceutical industrial complex. And he puts all the pieces together. You won't want to miss tonight's show. It's over two and a half hours long. My show's only 55 minutes, but we, uh, we got the whole film there for you to watch. That's tonight. Don't miss it. We look forward to sharing more tomorrow. Now you have a lot of positive information that you can use. Hopefully you'll decide to. Have a nice day, everyone.